It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I, I know Mr. Wimbledon, Steve Flink, so he, ah, he hooked me up. You know? The Flink, the Flink. <laughs> yeah, doesn't yeah. it feel like Roger Federer missed this entire season? <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> you know, I mean, he was in the semifinals, right, in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> First thing that comes into your mind. Chocolate. <laughs> I'm being completely honest. Hello, guys and girls. Welcome back. Uh, I hate to say it, JG, but uh, I've sort of missed uh, missed you a little bit uh, and missed the the fans in this uh, sort of end of tennis uh, hiatus now that we're having over this Christmas period. We had the end of the uh, obviously World Tour finals. Now I'm just a little bit sad. It's all over. But mate, it's so sad. It is so sad. I've just tennis. We didn't even get a full season of tennis. We got a bit of tennis. Then it started again, then it was come back at there, and then it just ended. And I feel oh. like we've just a half-hearted year. 2020 is one to kind of forget. Um, but still, there yeah. were some memorable moments, I think. Definitely some memorable moments. And as you can see, if you look above me, it says uh, this is going to be an end-of-year review for 2020. We did have a lot of uh, iconic events that did actually happen this year. We had first-year uh, Grand Slams for a few uh, champions there. So... There was a very big things. We obviously had Nadal getting 20 grand slams. He's now level with Roger Federer. There's so many things that happened this year, despite the lack of tennis. Uh, I don't know. I just, the fact that we started again at the end of, uh, I think it was, what was it? Around about August, September time. Mm. And we just had that little spell and we got treated to some of the best tennis I've seen in like, in. Yeah, no, it was like, a good, it was a good bit to be ages. fair. Ages. It's right. just so sad the fact that it was so short for me. Uh, yeah, the season yeah. started and then it just ended. And it's just so sad. Um, but anyway, there's some good moments. And we have no other than the, the greatest, really. We both love him. He's a, a great character. Obviously, knows his tennis. If you think Definitely. about tennis analysis, the first man you're going to think about is this guy. So um, I'm pleased to say we're going to welcome him onto the stream now. I've got him there waiting in the wings. It's Gil Grass. 
the greatest. Hey. What the heck are you talking about, <laughs> What are you talking about? It's a I'm pleasure to be I'm going to give you a big intro, man. We've got to go for the big intro. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to, to uh, reminiscing on the wild season that it was with both of you. Yeah, most definitely, mate. Yeah, you're too humble anyway. We know that we have a lot of uh, the guys, our, our fans that we have in the live chat every uh, week in, week out. They're always mentioning your analysis and saying that you're a really great channel to uh, to go over to just to uh, catch up on what's happened during those. And you give a really good post-match analysis oh, and pre-match analysis as well. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really... Uh, Good to have you on the uh, podcast. We've always got them in the chat. They're always on the chat. They're like saying, "Oh, Gil reckons he's going to win. Oh, Gil reckons he's going to win." So it's good to <laughs> yeah. actually have you on the on the podcast to discuss what you think about the upcoming tennis next year and obviously twenty twenty as a whole. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. You know, sometimes w- when you get them right, you're just this genius. When you get them wrong, you've gotten like every pick wrong in your life, and you've never picked a match correctly. I don't know. I don't keep track. So who knows? Maybe maybe I'm losing people money. Maybe I'm not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, JG, he did <laughs> oh, very, very about good well. predictions, man. I know you're going to say it. My one was pretty good, right? For the yeah, ATP finals. I guess the both the semi-final matchups and then the, the actual the winner as well. The route as well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I had a different final, though. I had uh, Novak in the final, didn't I? But you still had the winner, though. So the only thing you got wrong was... Uh... Wasn't it Dominic team. team getting to the final? Yeah, that was yep. it. But other than that, you had the groups perfect. Uh, I completely disregarded Rafa and I got a lot of stick in the chat for it. <laughs> but uh, just the way it goes, I didn't think he was going to perform on the hard courts and in the indoor, but uh, he did. And we got treated to obviously that Dominic team Rafa match was incredible. And that uh, Rafa Sitapass match, that was great as well. We just got some. Some of the best tennis all year was just in that last little segment. It was just amazing. Loved it. How what, what did you think of that last tournament? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Maybe it's because the players were just more fresh than than they're used to. I really believe that by the time we get to that part of the year, these players are dying for a vacation. <laughs> uh, I really believe that. And I, th- I think the younger guys who are newer to the scene and they have a, li- a bit more energy, their bodies don't hurt as much probably why we've seen you know Zverev Tsitsipas uh, now Medvedev you know these are the guys who are winning the the tour finals at the end of the year Uh, and then uh, you know they're not always really following it up with great Australian Opens and everyone's like whoa what happened I just think this is a tournament that lends itself to to the younger guys doing well and in this case if you play half a year well now Nadal is younger than he would be in a, in a normal year, so to speak. He's <laughs> yeah. just got less miles on him. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, I think that's a good summary. But enough about tennis. Let's talk about you. Um, <laughs> what, have, what have you been up to recently, personally? You've been up to much. Obviously, in the UK right now, we're in lockdown, so we're not allowed to go to restaurants. We're not allowed to go see friends. We're very much in our houses, working from home. Uh, it's not the nicest time, but we're coming out of it, I think, Wednesday, is it, Ben? Yeah, I think it's I think Wednesday. We've got the three or Three days left, I think, of the month lockdown they put us into. But, and then uh, apparently yeah. we're going to be having a Christmas as normal. Very <laughs> yeah, bizarre. Well, and then it'll probably be another lockdown. So it's just very strange. Consumer <laughs> Christmas, isn't it? It's just open the shops up, let everyone mingle for a month, and then we'll lock you down again when it comes to January, by the looks of it. But... Yeah, well, I mean, I, I feel for you guys. Hopefully, hopefully things get a little bit better. Um, 
in, in the UK. And I mean, I, I'll say that I cover college sports and for a while, I didn't think that they were going to happen uh, in yeah. the US and, you know, they are happening and a lot of games are getting canceled and postponed and they're, you know, it's not a smooth road at all, but kind of powering through. So I've been pretty busy and things have been kind of normal on the work front. And then in terms of tennis, uh, just rolling along as usual. And I don't know what the what the future holds really in terms of my YouTube channel. You know, I don't know if at a certain point I'm going to start doing more or if it's going to stay this way. Hmm, I don't know. If, if you're not doing more on YouTube, what else would you be doing? Well, I mean, I just, I, I don't know how much longer I'll be doing uh, covering Syracuse, which is what I'm doing right now. So then mm-hmm. eventually, I mean, I think, I honestly think in, in about six months time, I'm going to be kind of a free agent and I'm going to need to figure out kind of what, what I want to do. I, I want to stay, I want desperately want to stay in tennis. Um, okay. So I just need to kind of see what my options are. Don't want to leave tennis, but also, you know, it, it could happen. You got to kind of take where the, where the wind blows. Now the YouTube channel won't go away, but I'm saying yeah. on a full-time basis, I would <clears throat> like to take on tennis. What other sports a, are you, uh, are you covering uh, at the moment other than tennis? Basketball, football, um, are the big ones for Which the most is, part. Is this uh, American football just for our UK? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, just the, a... the, the football not played at all with your feet. Yeah, that's the one. about that one. But yeah. No, that's yeah. cool. No, that's no, it's really interesting. Well, how did you uh, get into like uh, commentating on uh, like college sports and things like that? It's quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think pretty much everyone who who does this kind of has the same story where they love sports and they're just not good enough. So, but they don't want to <laughs> leave sports. They, you got to f- figure out a reason to stay, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just it's kind of an extroverted person. I, you know, was the kind of you know, kid in school who didn't mind public speaking, which is like weird. I know that most people like hate that. So, I've always just kind of been attracted to broadcasting love of sports and that's just kind of what i've what i've set out to do i'm early very very early on in my in my career so don't know exactly you know it's it's unpredictable it's it's a bad industry like it's not stable there's not no. a lot of money but it's really really fun and a lot yeah. of people want to do hey, that's it. the most important can... thing for sure right. and for me i think yeah there's probably a space yeah. for you right now me and ben we've we watched a lot of tennis and stuff on the commentary at times, isn't that good? I'll be honest. Um, I don't. Uh, this is if you was going to go down the tennis route and do commentary that way. I think that would be brilliant. I can actually see you doing something like that, and I think it would be something which a lot of people would be able to relate to and want to watch rather see than some studio, of these. You see, it? some of that, the ex-professionals. It wasn't that good. But we was what we was actually talking about. It wasn't we, Ben? We were surprised how many times they say things that you think oh, I'm not really sure about that. It doesn't really make sense, or and they make a mistake about things very often. Uh, obviously, that can happen mm-hmm. to anyone, but. I or think it would re- be maybe it's or, a good gap for you to be honest. Or they just repeat yeah. the same thing over and yeah, over again. Yeah, that's the like worst the, one. It's the repetition. Like because obviously we had the World Tour Finals. It was like the same people that were playing over the course of a week, and all they were doing was keep regurgitating the same information <laughs> over and over again. Which is fair enough. It's always difficult to find new bits and pieces, but it seems to be something that you really look pretty in depth on players and uh, are able to spot things that maybe some other people, even on the broadcasting like networks, yeah. they, they don't spot. 
Yeah, I would Maybe, say, like, even some of your videos, you've got some long videos sometimes, like an hour long or 40 mm-hmm. minutes or so, and it's talking about like a, one specific topic. And you can talk about it for very long amounts of time. And it's always very interesting, I find. But with the, some of the people on the TV, they'll just keep talking about the same thing over and over again. Yeah, I don't know why why that might be. I mean, obviously, one thing is that, you know, you two are watching every single match and you're diehards. So maybe sometimes commentary is geared towards a more casual audience. But if you're yeah. watching on like a tennis TV, uh, you know, I don't know specifically what you're talking about, but if you're watching on tennis TV, that's not geared towards casuals. That's geared towards no. diehards. Um, I've learned that if you, it doesn't matter if you're not a former pro, if what you're saying makes logical sense, no one really questions your credibility. And before I started doing this, I had no idea if that was going to be the case. I thought it would, I thought it might be Gil. How many slams have you won? Like, what do you, you know, who are you? It's never, it's never been that I've never experienced that because if you, if you say something, look, the net is lower in the middle. Uh, that's a fact. <laughs> like if you, if you say, if you support your argument, no one questions it. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're definitely right. Uh, <laughs> you've definitely always got to support your argument. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know this tennis TV thing. I think it's a real interesting thing. Maybe some people don't even realize it even exists. Uh, like they're probably just watching things off the main broadcasting networks and don't realize there is like, and they do have like quite a lot of really good stats on there as well. They have like a, if it's quite interactive, if you're just watching it on uh, your laptop or something like that, you can like go in play and look at the stats as they're going along throughout the match as well. I, I think it's pretty good. I don't know if it, is it just me or are most of the commentators British on there? Do you have the same thing for you or are they American in the U S no, they're British. I yeah. know they're based in London. <laughs> I know they're based in London. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I've noticed that as well. All British. Uh, and then there, Robbie Koenig is uh, from South Africa. And he's one yeah, of the yeah. big guys. Yeah, cool. Fair enough. What? On, on a personal level, yeah. Gil, sorry, Ben. Um, no, I was going to ask about your own tennis. Like, we saw recently say. you was playing. Oh, it's the same question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We saw you playing a bit of tennis recently. I think you were playing with Tween ahead, was it? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and bits and bobs. How's that going for you? You've been playing much, or you not been able to? I haven't been able to recently. It's killing me right now. Last like three weeks, but I generally play about uh, twice a week. I I used to play way more. I used to play, you know, four or five days a week. Um, but you know, it, it's kind of been fun. Just when you stop competing and you just focus on like having fun, um, you know, it's been great. I don't know. I mean. Did you just compete at quite a high level then or not really? You know, not really. I think I trained at a higher level than I competed. I uh, <laughs> I had a great coach. I had a tremendous, like in my opinion, okay. a world-class coach. He's written a, he wrote the book on uh, Spanish tennis called The Secrets of Spanish Tennis. Nice. I was a sponge. I absorbed everything that that he told me. So I had really good coaches. I trained a ton, but I never fully kind of engrossed myself in the tournament play, the travel and all that 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 comes with actually, you know, competing on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of that has to do with with your parents and yeah, whether or not they push you into that. You know, mine didn't, and you know, I, it's fine, but it's just kind of how you know the way it went. Yeah, I mean, that's I a very sad point, though. Do you not think that happens to so many people? That sort of. Um forced out of tennis they might may love the sport but it's just not it's not always a difficult sport to get into 
Uh, it's always been nicknamed mm. very much in the UK, sort of like a posh kind of sport. You need yeah. to have come from a background of money. Uh, do you still think that is a problem in tennis? Yeah, I think so. It is. It's a huge sacrifice that that parents will generally make. If you look at what the top yep. pros... It's not uh, really the working man's sport, is it, unfortunately? No, no. And I mean, I think that comes down to equipment, also maybe... Travel, well, I think a lot travel as well. Travel is a big thing, right? Because like, you've got to have parents that are dedicated to be able to... Oh, there's a tournament that's playing halfway up the country, which is five hours drive away. Yeah, or what's like the difference that? to that and say football, Ben, or soccer for you, for you guys in America? It's exactly the same. Some, if, you get, yeah, if, if you get to a good level, you have to travel around as well. Yeah, no, but you, you, yeah, but you if you get to a good level in football, then there's a team bus that you just jump on and you can go with and you can be part of a team. With this, you're, it's an individual sport and you're just going to be literally... It's, it's on the back of your parents. If they want to back you and think that you're going to do this, is this just a hobby or is this something you're actually serious? Because you could be spending like thousands of pounds a year. And if you've got money for it, fair enough. And if you've got like that like wealth to fall back on, great. And we but even know it's not that fruitful at times. I know we were speaking to a few challenger players during quarantine. Yeah. And they were talking about the difficulty in sort of just making enough money really to survive. Obviously, all the travel expenses, hotel costs. So much. Um, if you go out first round, you 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 lose. You're at a loss. Yeah, coaching, so yeah. expensive. Physiotherapy, yeah. all of that stuff. It's also, as well. I mean, I, how, how do you? I don't know. I don't know if you guys played other sports or, or how you feel about this, but I feel like coaching is probably more essential in tennis than it is in in soccer, football. Right? I feel like you could yeah. figure things out in other sports, even basketball, a little bit more so than than you can in tennis. And then court time. You know, normally you can find a a field pitch and yeah that's not as big a deal as finding a, a court generally you're you're paying for that so i would equate it to more like uh golf than i would equate it to like a team sport because golf is it's all about fine margins in tennis and it's all about angles it's all about uh how you're hitting the ball it's all about your form and how you're uh and same in golf how you're swinging the club and if it's not done on a constant basis and you're not having constant coaching three four times a week and this is why i spoke to a guy who uh who was on a, a, pl a flight when i was flying back from uh bulgaria and he was actually saying that he used to train with like some of the British like players and which was just random. He said he played with Andy Murray at one point. I was like, this is crazy. Like this guy's actually like played at this such a Mate, trust high you level. To sit next to a guy like this. I know. Play. Literally, like we didn't shut up. This was like a three or four hour fight. And then we were literally talking for the whole time. And he was just telling me uh about what it really takes. Cause he said he was he's a really, really good tennis player. And he said he could play ITF probably level, but to be able to get to that next, next level, you have to be playing and you have to be at a level at the age of about, say, 13, 14. You have to be playing at least... I'll say younger, mate. Younger yeah, yeah, for me. yeah, but you have to be playing at least 20... I think he said, like, at least 20 to 24 hours a week of tennis to be even be considered to be even getting to the next stage where you're going to be one of those players who can become professional, which is crazy when you think about it. Think how much money that's going to cost with coaching like court hires, like obviously all the accessories that come with tennis as well, like anything, like clothing, rackets. 
Is it? Is it this the same guy, Ben, who after the flight he offered you, a, he took your number and offered you a match when you got back? To <laughs> Matt, I haven't played him. Yet. I don't. And think then I you, you ignored the message. Like, oh, I'm not doing that. Mate, I sent, I sent him a, I sent him a message after we had a knock up, and uh, just after, well, I, I hadn't played for like a year, so I only sent him a picture of me, or a video of me serving. At least that was the only thing that stuck over the years. The serves still can kick. The rest of the game needs a lot of improvement. <laughs> but that's what I mean. This type of uh, thing in tennis is it's it is a little bit elitist and it is a little bit money. It's a money based uh, sport. And if you don't have the like uh, like the like the convenience of being near a court to be able to train twenty hours a week you're not going to make it i think and that's the, that's the reality of it yeah, yeah. Pretty- i mean on a personal note it, it wasn't i don't think it was so much money as like my my, my parents decision but honestly i'm kind of glad because my body was not going to to handle it like i i had injuries if i oh, really? put my eggs in the tennis basket it wouldn't have been good i don't think so you know and obviously i i was never going to be talented enough this is so genetic, and I, I think people don't realize that. Um, I think people think that, you know, it's all hard work, but it's it's some hard work, but it's also very much uh, the, the hand you're dealt. But I could have played yeah. college, um, but I'm kind of glad that I I didn't. Hmm. Looks fun though, college tennis. Like we're speaking yeah, to. Yeah, it's more of a team sport there. I feel because you're very much um, sort of cheering each other on, the, the camaraderie of it all. It looks like a lot of fun. Not gonna lie. Yeah, we spoke to a Gertz, Michael Gertz, and uh, he actually took some time off of the tour to go back to college to play uh, college tennis. And uh, mm. now he just joined back on the tour after com- like finishing in college tennis. Where he he's was a brilliant player as well. It's, so yeah, good. it's incredible. And he had like one of the best ITF records at the end of last year, winning tournaments, so many finals, that type of thing. But still, the next level again, like you're running at ITF level, then you've still got to get to challenger level. Then you've still got to go from that level to ATP. And to be able to win an ATP event, you see how hard it is for these players to who are even inside the top 50 to even win an event. Like that's How many absurd. of them have won one? Uh, yeah. That's crazy. And, and you know, if you're 50 in the world, you might have a losing record, which it, it blows people's <laughs> mind. But it's like, you, it doesn't mean you've won more matches than you've lost just because you're 50 in the world. It just means you get into the tournaments. You know, yeah. that's, that's kind of the, the goal at a certain point. Money. I think Sam Nori, by the way, is one of the higher ranked players uh, come that who's been through the college system. Yes. And uh, he met his coach at TCU and his coach was also coaching at the academy that I trained at. Shall we move on to, obviously, this is supposed to be 2020, end of year, sort of review of all the things that happened uh, this year. I know it's been a really weird year, and it seems like the beginning of the year doesn't even seem like part of the year because there was fans there, there was everything going on. We had the ATP Cup that was obviously kicked off the year with, like dramatic uh, matches that we were like beyond what we like thought. We had a Grand Slam. We had Australian Open. It was a yeah, normal, but, a normal yeah, tennis a- season. Yeah, it, it, everything AT- was going normally. Exactly. The ATB Cup was something that we didn't really think probably, or um, maybe it's just me, didn't think that that could produce this type of drama. And because of all the Australian fires that were going on, there was all the charity appeal, like all the people doing things for the uh, charity. It was incredible. It was like one of the, uh, it was just kick-started tennis. We thought 
can't we can't believe it we just started the podcast we're like this year is gonna be like the year for tennis and then yeah obviously but we had the australian open obviously like jaron was just saying yeah doesn't yeah. it feel like roger Federer missed this entire season <laughs> yes it does <laughs> you know i mean he was in the semi-finals right in australia yeah, but it's like that really well, does I'll tell you, like I'll tell you one man who wish he did miss the season. That's Tennis Sangren. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. the uh, wasn't the best. Uh, well, it just was annoying, wasn't it? I mean, uh, Federer obviously put him out in Australia, didn't he? In that dramatic, uh, wasn't it super breaker, wasn't it? It was just yeah, it was. crazy. And uh, after that, Sangren was never the same again, I don't think, after that. And then... Uh, Federer obviously went out a bit. I think he was injured, wasn't he, in the uh, match against Djokovic uh, in the semis, and he just went out. But Djokovic, Djokovic beat him playing at like fifty percent. He still maintained the most, and never really hit second gear. Was just doing what mm. he needed to do. Federer, for me, was just a shadow of himself on the yeah, court. But he still maintains the one thing, doesn't he, that he's never. Uh, like uh, pulled out of a match that he started ever in his whole career. So you got to give it to Fed. Like, What do you think sticks- about that, Gil? Do you like that? I love that. I think that's cool. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's impressive also. Um, and I don't know, his body, his body's just not normal. You know, the, the way, the way he moves and the, the lack of stress that he seems to put on his body. It's just weird. And I think that's a really cool stat that he should be proud of. Oh, it's amazing. He's it's got a lot of good stats, but that's a nice one. I must admit. <laughs> I think you might be right as well. From the way that he does the movement on the court and maybe like the... Uh, oh, it's just effortless, it's, isn't it? It just seems so yeah, natural. I don't think you ever on. see any other tennis player ever to hit the ball the way he does. It must be like pressure on joints and things like that. And the way that he's able to just move off and just to uh, attack certain things. He's still not slow on the court. He still gets the things. He still gets around the court very well. And bear in mind, this year, he's going to be 40 years old. We've got to remember that. And we're sort of hoping. I don't know if uh, JG's hoping for Well, this, let's see what you're going to I'm say. Sort of I'm hoping, hoping for it as well. I'm, I'm, do you hope that we're going to see Roger Federer get a Grand Slam when he's 40 years old? That's all. I mean, I'm hoping for it. Do you think it's know. possible, girl? I I do. Because I feel like you got to give him the benefit of the doubt. You got to give him the benefit of the doubt from his 2019 level. And yeah. I, I really thought coming into into 2019, I'm thinking, okay, Roger Federer's the third best player in the world. I'm expecting a little dip at this point. Let's say he's still going to be good, but I'm thinking maybe he's the fifth best player in the world uh, yeah. by the year's end. Never really happened. I mean, he far surpassed my expectations that season. So I feel like you got to. Give him that level where obviously he had a match, you know, match points well, at Wimbledon. Almost won a Wimbledon. It was this close, this close. <laughs> no, that's not, no, don't, it's so bad. But yeah. it's one of those ones that you just got to praise. Rather than look at Federer, you got to praise Djokovic, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can ever just look at uh, Federer because he just did so well to be in that position. You didn't even expect him to be at that position at that age to be potentially just another Wimbledon championship but but yeah it's so oh sad God, boy he would take them a few serves back and do it differently oh <laughs> ah, yeah for sure. <laughs> and, I know and an approach forehand yeah um, for sure. 
That's... Anyway, so if he maintains that, if he just can stay there, stay where he's at, then you know he's going to be in the conversation, and that's that's all you can really ask for. He's never going to be the favorite ever again, but you know, no. as long as he stays competitive and and he plays big matches, and he gets to the big matches, which he even kind of did like without his knees uh, this year. You yeah. know, I mean. You, you got to give him a chance still. Who who do you think uh, gives him, like, up to what number do you think gives him trouble? Because you know that it's always like that. And uh, when you get to the Grand mm-hmm. Slams, you sort of get – he can probably still get through all the way to quarterfinals now, I'd say, with relative ease. What, and even then, now? Yeah, I still think so. And then I think that when you get to the quarterfinal, then you meet like, – then now you've got the big boys. Now you've got somebody with big power serves. You've got your Zverevs, your Medvedevs. You've got like, even someone like a Batista or a Gutt might be able to grind him down over maybe five sets these days. You don't know. But what do you think? Do you think that he has the ability to get past? Because it's not just now. Before, you, we always know, like, it's with the big three, you've got to get past. One, one player is going to have to get past two of them. <laughs> and uh, yeah. now he's going to have to get past maybe three people that are really testing. Is that maybe even much? a big powerful player could be tricky for Federer right now, like a yep. Kyrgios or something like that? Maybe a big server, very powerful, maybe John Isner or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that <laughs> one. <laughs> John, John, <laughs> John Isner. <laughs> Opelka, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. What do you reckon uh, on that? Uh, I, I think Dominic team's getting really, really dangerous. Yeah, you know, I think I think anyone can see that, and if he continues to just at a certain point, once you get to that level, it it's not about giant steps because they don't exist. It's about those little micro adjustments. I think the Dominic team return uh, and you know still his tactics and still what he does on the backhand wing, although he that's gotten so good, uh, even defensively, which it used to be pretty pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just those micro adjustments that Dominic team might be able to make. You know, that that could be the difference and it could be him, you know, really starting to control things a lot more. But for Federer, I think the key is really going to does he beat your RBA consistently, you know, without having to kind of play that five setter? Uh, Because if he can do that, if he can go through your RBAs of the world easily, you know that he's still going to get to the final weekend and, you know, he's played Nadal well. He's played Djokovic tight. Remember, that's another thing about 2019. He beat Novak in the fall uh, indoors. Yeah. Was that Paris? Or was it ATP finals? Yeah. It was one of them. Yeah, he beat him in the ATP finals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, straight sets. So, yeah. There you go. Well, you know what's going to be kind of interesting? Uh, the mindset that he had in 2017 where he has no expectation on himself and that's just a dangerous place for a time. I agree. To be. I agree. Is I think it's going to be Federer as well. That's going to be super dangerous. Hopefully, well, I'm not, I love Federer, but I'm more of a, on the sort of spectrum of the big three. I love that <laughs> a lot more. Um, really? <laughs> I think it's, no, I, I, I like, I'm not really one of them. I'm not one of these guys like you see on Twitter a lot. You see him like the Novak fans or the Rafa fans or Federer fans. They're very much, they're one man and that's it. I'm quite a, quite an open mind. I love tennis. I love the beauty of tennis. I love all these. You've got to admire all three of them in their own right. They're incredible players. Um, I just edge a little bit more towards Nadal for me. But I still yeah, think next year it, it would still be amazing regardless of all of that if Federer can 
play with this fearless nature of not really having too many expectations and go deep in a tournament, do well. Maybe a Wimbledon for us. We said Wimbledon out of the four. Come on, give us one um, more Wimbledon, Raj. Come on, one more. Come on, that's what we want. That got cancelled last year. Wouldn't it be fitting if he just came back and then this year it was just all a build-up towards that? And uh, maybe you should just take off the first that half of the year and just practice on grass courts for the whole first half of the year. Don't play any tournament. <laughs> hey, I'm just already predicting a bit court. more of a shot for the Wimbledon. I reckon the man you were just talking about is going to win. Dominic Team. Wimbledon. Oh, Wimbledon. Yeah, I really do think so. I think it's going to be really? a surprise. Yeah, I think so. He just shows he can do it on multiple surfaces, this guy. Yeah. And, I said Australian Open, but this is this is a very unpopular opinion. I just think he's going to do it. Yeah, just remember awesome. where I said this. Remember this podcast right now. It's going to be out there. Dominic Team's going to win Wimbledon next year. Don't worry. He's when he goes to, out, he's got to return better. When he goes out in the uh, <laughs> second round, I'll uh, be sure to post it. Don't worry. <laughs> 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 Who did he go out to early this? Uh, Query. This year? Yeah, Sam Query, and that, was it the first well, round? Uh, well, remember, there's no this year at Wimbledon. No, no, yeah, the last year. year. The, the yeah. year before, yeah, it was query, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, we was there. Great. I think that day. I think we was there on that day. Was it? Mm, not sure if we were there that day, but I remember you were saying like, "Oh, Dominic." I was like, "This is what." Look at that that list of things. That is a bogey player. Do not want query at Wimbledon in your first match. I was like, "That is going to cause him problems." And what happened? Boom, query that big sir. I think it was in the queue. It was in the queue, and you were discussing all of this. Yeah, we went. I can't remember which day we were on. I think we were on day three or day four when we were there. Mm. Yeah, we saw you anyway. Well, we didn't see you there, but we saw, uh, I had a look on uh, obviously some of your uh, YouTube stuff and you were there obviously in the queue maybe a year or so ago, just uh, doing yes, the whole queuing, doing the whole yeah. queuing, going around the uh, Wimbledon. It's good to see you, mate. Oh, yeah. You're getting involved with the whole uh, how English do queuing. How what everyone wants to know is did you have any strawberries? Of course, yes. In fact, I I made a point in the video to to do a a quick demonstration. By the way, the strawberries at Wimbledon are superior to Queens. You know, very yeah. much. I know. You know, one's a major, one's yeah. a five hundred, and it really shows in the strawberries. You know, they really <laughs> well, draw the line there. They don't they don't allow those other strawberries uh, into Queens. Yeah, it's not allowed. <laughs> a grade only at Wimbledon. Yeah, that's but, right. But yeah, how did you find? The whole queuing process, and uh, I saw you were uh, having a chat to a few people in the queues, stuff like that. It seemed like good, good fun. It was great. I loved it. Although I tried to do it two days in a row, and I, I mean, Oof. I just didn't do very well the next day. I mean, the, what the time second did you, day. What time did you get into the queue? It's out of interest. Mm, you know, I'm just, I'm just foggy. I would have been able to tell you that exactly, but I think I got like 5 a.m. on Manic Oof. Monday. Wow. And then I think on Tuesday, I knew I could be a little later because that's not a great day to have a, a grounds pass. Um, so I think I was like 6 or 7 a.m. the next day. I saw you got into the uh, – you were like wandering around in the uh, – like I don't know what center it was. Court? It was oh. No, not not the center court, but like the – you know when they have all the uh, like all the computers with like all the press? Right, the media that? room. Yeah, the mm -hmm. media room. That's it. You got it. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't think of the word. Yeah, you were wandering around inside the media room, just having a look in there. I thought that was super. In that was the most interesting bit when I was watching. It. I was like, "That's in the media room. What's he doing? He's just wandering around in the media room." I love that. How did you yeah. get in there? 
I I know Mr. Wimbledon, Steve Flink. So he, ah, he hooked me up. You know? The Flink. The Flink. <laughs> yeah, we were supposed to have him on at some point. We haven't had the chance to get him on yet. Yeah, I think he had a new book or something he wanted to talk about. Um, yeah, on Sampras. Okay, cool. Ah, yeah, we'll have, to, we'll have to talk that out maybe sometime. Legend. Seems like a very Sampras. interesting guy. Definitely one of the best ever. Anyway, like let's, let's keep to this actual schedule, Ben, of what we're yes, going Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. We've gone a bit off uh, topic there. So uh, this yeah. is, uh, we had the beginning of the year, obviously we had the ATP Cup. We spoke about that. It was a, it was quite a nice little opener. Then obviously the Australian Open, um, Dominic Team in a final. It's been a bit of a story of 2020, or not even just his career really in general. Not really 2020, but he's lost a few big finals now. And um, I remember after the Australian Open, I was actually quite harsh on him because for me, I thought he rather than Novak winning that final, I think he more lost it. Uh, I don't know if it's a mentality thing, not being in that position for, for enough times. Obviously, Novak, it's like, mate, he's Australian Open final for him. It's just like another match, really. He's just, he's so experienced in that sort of field. Dominic team looked to me like he crumbled. You see double thoughts at important moments. Um, kind of fortunate, really. T- I wouldn't say fortunate. It was a few tie breaks, wasn't it, to beat Nadal in the semis. And there was a few shaky moments in that one where it hits the neck cord, just about comes over. Um Dominic team mentality. What do you think? I talked about this on, on my last mailbag. As for the the, I'm not really concerned. I guess I'll first I'll say I'm not too concerned about the two for seven in big finals. Um, I I think I think it's okay. I think most of them are just tough ones. And I think you know I've seen him yeah. rise to the occasion in big spots so many times. That's kind of discounting that. In terms of the uh, the final against Novak, I kind of agree with you, JG. It wasn't a good backhand day is the first thing. I feel <laughs> yeah. like sometimes that could go either way. Like the down the line backhand, it wasn't yep. there. Is that dependent on his success though? Like, that's Just what Ben it. said a lot on that podcast yeah. at the time. You was talking about the backhand. It wasn't firing, said, was it? I said like, it, is if that's what's dependent on him winning Grand Slams and not winning Grand Slams, sometimes those players are so reliant on that real big fire backhand, like even like a Stan Wawrinka, like people like that. When it's not firing and you've got it suddenly goes misfiring, suddenly like you find yourself losing so many games. Like it's it, it that is that is your go-to. And it was firing for the first two sets, and he looked like a world beater. It looked like this is gonna be done, done and dusted. And then mm-hmm. suddenly he's hitting double faults and the backhand, he's trying it. I think he maybe should have thought this I isn't. It was a bit tense. Yeah, he should have, should have like we've seen now this year. He's incorporated. I think in one of the tournaments they were saying forty five percent slice he was using in some of the tournaments, and uh, I think that is what he needs to do. I think he needs to change up the tactics more. Realize when it's not working and stop going for it because Wait, the, he overdid the slice against Medvedev and inferior. I think it was like 70%. <laughs> he overdid the slice against Zverev in the US Open final as well. Yeah, yeah. massively, massively right. overdid it. Yeah. Like, it was like uh, waiting for Zverev to lose the final rather than I think it was just nervous there, though. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't That's blame why. him. Yeah, um, bet, like bear in mind his last like Grand Slam final. I don't blame him for doing that because he was just trying to get it over the line. And against uh, Novak, he was so dominant and he looked so good. And you just thought, this guy, this is the next like world number one. This is guy is literally just going to wipe Novak off the court right now. And 
then you saw it got to the pressure points and suddenly the whole game just unraveled and you just thought, no, no, he's not going to be one of these. That's not what the big three are all about. The big three are all about the pressure points and how you get it over the line. Forgive really... Federer. Sure. 2015. Forgive <laughs> that one. That's the only one, but it's against another big three, so you can't really say it as much. So, Well, you're right. I mean, team doesn't really have his, you know, let me go safe cross court heavy topspin backhand like when the timing isn't there he, he just doesn't play that way so i think when team is not when team is off his game sometimes it's just going to be really ugly and it's going to be like dude you're gifting this away but i almost think you need to accept that because when he's on his game it's starting to look like nobody can touch him you know yeah. including djokovic and nadal so look if if that's how he's going to play I think uh, it's something that, you know, he should accept, his supporters should accept that sometimes he's going to go for way too much and he's going to miss and it's going to be like, why didn't you just, you know, roll it over the net? It's just not really how he plays. It's becoming clear. And personally, I think he will accept it because he's had a fantastic year really on the whole. Um, I don't want to be too hard. I'm obviously winning his first Come Grand on. Slam. That was very tricky. Uh, I thought Zverev kind of bottled the tie break, if I'm honest. However, you still have to win it, and you have to you got to beat who's in front of you. It was a tough match, but uh, let's not skip too far because we've missed actually someone, uh, someone who's also had a very good year. I'll put it up on the stream here. I don't know if you can see that. I don't know. I'm gonna have to expand the uh, size. Make it bigger. Is that no, okay? All right. No, no. It's just I had my I had the whole. Can you see it, Gil? I can see it. Oh, cool. I had so the whole screen minimized. This man here, Andre Rublev, obviously yeah. after the ATP cut up. Another big name in 2020, one Doha and then Adelaide. Yeah. Wow, what a player. What's your take on uh, Andre Rublev in 2020? Do you think I called this it. Is... Yeah. I called it. <laughs> oh, I did, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, what did I, I? I predicted the... I always predict the top 10 at the beginning of the year. I say what it's going to be at the end. That's good. I think I put Rublev six or seven. Uh, wow. And I think oh, he wow. started the year... He started the year... 22 i want to say something like that around there, um, yeah, yeah yeah i mean he just uh, i always felt like his back injury made everyone just forget about him but he was right there with all the others and it just became very clear okay you know this this injury set him back but in the long run it it just made him appreciate the game more he he works so hard and he has the basics of modern tennis down so cold, just high margin, heavy topspin aggression off both sides. You just <laughs> yeah. kind of got the feeling like it, it's coming. He's coming. Do you not think like that it's like that uh, with, with his type of game though, with the thing that we saw at the back end of the year that was so prevalent about his game was that first serve. So like consistent when you saw him in Vienna, when you saw him, uh, I'm not sure what the next uh, tournament was after that. Was it? Uh, he had a couple of tournaments in a row, though, where he was serving 90% first serves. And uh, that is hard to deal with. when, If you're on the back foot from the first serve and he can literally finish it off with one shot after that or if it's an ace or... That's why I was so disappointed that he got into the ATB finals in that match against the door. It was like there was no first serves. There was literally no. like 
twenty percent. For me, it wasn't the first that. serves. It's not something what I look at yeah, him but, as like the big man. Helped. I know he was able to do that, but for me, it's just yeah, the forehand, the forehand from the baseline. Man, he's just epic. He just. I know you hate his grunt. You're always complaining, but it seems. I don't to work hate for him. it. I don't. Never said I hate it. I just said that's how we define how the how he is. Like it's just you know Andre Rublev's on court, and when he's hitting the forehand, because he'd be like. And do like that noise every time. That's just that part and parcel of him. But I want to see the first serves flying in. If the first serve wasn't in, it just showed against someone like Rafa. Maybe the occasion. He just got into the top ten for the first time. I mean, it's a big occasion. I mean, yeah. I. It's really difficult to really weigh it up because you just think like he's been in big occasions. But when you see Rafa at the other end of the court, it might be a different sort of pressure. You're suddenly feeling now the first serve. It's like when players try to serve at match point, set point, they always mess up the first serve. And it seemed like he mm. messed up the first serve nearly every time against Rafa. I just was disappointed. That was all. It was bad. It was not. It was like a shell. It was 20% mm. Andre Rublev there. But then <sighs> I he, he got better. He got better. Uh, I'll, exactly. I'll say, uh, obviously I'll beat one double fault well. away yeah. from being in the. Yeah, anyway, so I let you know I've spoken enough. Go on, you Uh, say. I was going to say, I was just going to say the first serve is, uh, you know, sets up that first forehand, right? His first forehand and like Roger Federer, don't get me wrong. I mean, the the man's got everything in this massively complete game. But the essence of Roger Federer is his first forehand is the best of all time. And he's got this great first serve, you know, one of the best spot servers there up there with Sampras of all time. And it's just, how how am I breaking this guy? Rublev Mm. has improved his first serve immensely, but it's the forehand behind it. He's not Isner. He's not Opelka. It's coming back. Mm. But the first forehand is so good, so consistent behind it that, you know, I I feel I'm pretty sure he's in the top three on tour. uh, First serve points one percentage. Must be. I think we even think have. We, we, we did touch on the last podcast. We went through all the statistics, and he was certainly up there. Uh, yeah. Just something me and Ben have always spoke about, really, with him. It's just some of his weaknesses as well. Like we think he has a lot of. He has a high ceiling in tennis. Like there's a lot of things he can work on. If you was to identify one thing in his game which you think he would be able to take him to that next level, what would it be? Transition game. You know, I, and I could say defense because he doesn't really defend. But I'm no. not going to say that because it's fine. He doesn't need to defend. Maybe he's just going to be a player who doesn't defend. Uh, yep. But if he wants to complete his offensive tennis, he needs to be able to take a short ball and you know hit an approach shot and finish volleys against a player like Daniil Medvedev or yep. or Zverev. Well, Nadal, Daniil Medvedev, uh, he's not got a great record. I feel like Daniil right. Medvedev <laughs> got him every Never time. won a set, has he? Against yeah. Daniil Medvedev in the main draw. So it's a, gr- a great movers, great defensive players. These guys are like, okay, Andre, like you can hit five good forehands. That's cool. Like, but I'm going to be able to defend. You're not putting any pressure on me. You're not coming in uh, a-, a great mover with great defensive skills loves to play a player who won't come in. So I just want to see him just really work that out. Cause his volleys just are really average. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we both were sort of speaking about that on sort of the live streams we were doing for Andre Rublev. I was just sad to see that uh, the way that he sort of went out. I mean, it, he went out, but it wasn't even 
it was like he went out after the first match in the World Tour Finals, but he didn't. It was like he went out and that was the match that sealed his fate. But in Sitapas match, he went out based on a double fault when he could have literally just won the match. And then you probably would have sort of fancied him against Dominic Team because he beat him in Vienna as well. I would have, I would have picked him probably. I had Dominic Team. I know I'm crazy to win. No, sorry. I had Andre Rublev to win the group and to uh, be above anybody else. If he'd have uh, beaten Dominic Team and Sitapas. He would have been close. It's just right. like it's fine margin, one point yes. away from both. Really. But anyway, but... let's let's just move on from that because now we're in. We're still only in February here for this 2020 <laughs> end of year <laughs> review, <laughs> and um, it's going to be going on for a very long time. So well, let's just talk about another name. Um, I can just remind you. I put it on the screen. Just a quick flash, and that's yeah. Gal Monfils. Yeah, I was um, going to say that uh, Gal Monfils in February in um, in France did very well, obviously winning Montpellier, and then he also won, I believe, years ago in February here, Rotterdam. Well, I said uh, the thing that I brought up for this for the uh, end of year re- review was Gal Monfils unbeatable to unrecognizable, uh, and uh, it seemed like the break. What do you think? Girl? Destroyed him? Does it? Uh, yeah, it did. Uh, this this topic makes me sad because yeah. uh, he was playing so well. Same time of year, post Australian Open. It's like the most. It's a weird time of the season where people don't care much. Some people, but uh, Monfils was looking so good two years in a row now. Yeah. Uh, after the after the Aussie, and uh, two years ago, twenty nineteen, it was an injury that totally destroyed his momentum, and then this time it was the pandemic. So uh, he, he's getting up there in age. He's doing some things with his shot selection that are so much better. And you wish he could do that when he was in his 20s. Uh, I I hope that he can, you know, put things together before he really has nothing left physically. I thought he was fantastic at the start of the year. And it's very unfortunate. He almost beat Djokovic. Obviously, it was so yeah. close. Um, I, we was watching that match at that work. Close. I remember. I forget the exact statistics, but I think there was a was there a match two point match, in there? two match points. I think he yeah. had in that match against Djokovic, and he's never beaten Djokovic as well. Is that right? He's got, That's right. Uh, Leave yeah. so yeah. So it's very it's very tough on him. I felt so bad. Like at one Maybe stage, two... I was like, "There's no way he can miss, he can lose this match from this position," and he still lost it. And I think that's when it sort of them sort of spiraled into uh, moving on from Monfils Djokovic. Big talking point winning all these matches. Is he going to go the whole season unbeaten? Yeah. The way it was going with the whole fact that there was no tennis, it could have been, <laughs> no tennis would have happened and he would have been unbeaten, kind of, asterisk-wise. Um, but Novak was pretty incredible too in this period. Um, I'll get it up here so you can see. Yeah, I don't think we can rule it out. I mean, obviously, we had the whole thing in the oh, summer. Oh, we're missing all this. We've got all the clay court swing here as well. We had uh, Buenos Aires, Rio, Christian Garin as well, winning a few res- results. Yeah. Well, Cordoba. Yep. Let's not forget about, obviously, uh, Saboth Wild taking his first ATP title as well because someone we were following really religiously Very on the cool. Challenger Tour. And then when he finally got his opportunity... Obviously, beat Casper Rude there in the final. Yeah, I think he's somebody. He would have been affected by this whole uh, mix-up with the whole year and the whole everything. Oh, he, co- he contracted, didn't he? He got he got coronavirus. Yeah, he did. But it was just mm-hmm. like it's one of those things. Like it was one of those years where there was people who were playing really well, and then they ended up. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It just 
fell off. What do, is there any players that you think uh, that you would have liked to have seen more of this year that, that were good at the beginning of the year? Honestly, I, this is this might sound crazy, but I, I think Novak Djokovic was maybe one of the biggest losers when it comes to this pandemic pause. You mentioned how how great he was playing, um, and I think he was twenty two and zero going into Indian Wells. He wasn't quite the same afterwards, I don't think. And even though he was still he was still great, and right, he won enough- Cincinnati afterwards. Would you not say know, that but- of the change happened after the U.S. Open default? No, I don't think so. I I think he won Cincinnati just not really playing his best. I think he just, you know, he's so he's so good under pressure. He's mentally tough, uh, and I think he just gritted gritted out those matches at the Western and Southern. And then, but he played Raonich in the final, right? Yeah. Yes. Not exactly a player who can bother him or give him loads of trouble, even though Raonich you know, played. Set. I think he won the first set 6-1, if I remember. He come out very strong. Yeah. He had the tough one against RBA in, in the semi in the semis. Yep. So that was a, a tough match. You know, could have gone either way. I mean, Novak Novak just had to kind of claw his way to to lift the trophy. And I know that's ridiculous because how good are you that you don't have your best stuff and you win a masters, but that's just how good Djokovic is. So would you not just say that the best players always find a way? For sure. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Novak always makes you earn it. It doesn't matter if it's a good day or a bad day. It's going to make you earn it either way. And he's probably going to play his best tennis of the match when he needs it. So those are the two qualities, I think. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Well, Obviously, anyway, let's move on to the next bit because otherwise we're going we're gonna to get stuck here. I just want to talk about this. I just saw Shapovalov there. No, not Shapovalov, mm. sorry. Felix. The other, the other Canadian. Uh, another final for him. When is he going to win a final? And would you say 2020 on the whole has been super disappointing for him? A little bit disappointing. I just, you know, it's not so really much potential. Rich. Such a young guy. Mm-hmm. He's got all the he's got all the weapons. People saying he can be winning great things. He's Big been Andy Murray. Final. Um, <laughs> yeah, a lot of people have now. Um, what do you think of Felix? It's not the results to me that are frustrating. It's just kind of. I feel like he's been running in place for a little while here and things that I've been wanting to get better aren't really getting better. Uh, now, sometimes he's shown a little bit more patience, but then other times he hasn't just feels like. Caruso. Sorry. Did he lose to Caruso? Yeah. Yeah. He lost in straight sets to Caruso in the yeah. last tournament he played. It was just, oh, uh, yeah. maybe that was just like the end of the season. He just wanted out. Yeah. I don't know. He hasn't right. been playing well. No, I mean, he's no. been double faulting too much. The second serve has been uh, a continued issue. But uh, the backhand, yeah. the backhand, I think, is the thing that nobody talks about that needs to be better. And I, I just don't yeah. think he, he's not precise with it. He leaves it in the middle. He, he'll he make, you know, unforced errors where he's not really going for much. And he's still kind of dumping it in the net, which is kind of a big no-no. And uh, all in all, it's it's mostly cross court. It's heavy, but he never hits it really down the line. And then on the forehand, it could be one of the best shots in tennis, but it misses too much because he's going for these fine margins and he's not always picking the right spots. So, yeah, I I wish that he was doing things a little bit differently and the potential is all there. I've been all in on FAA. I think, you know, it's not that it's not that I'm down on his potential. I'm just a little bit down on his rate of development, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I think you worded that quite well. And then obviously we had March to July, a bit of a write-off completely, really, with all the coronavirus pandemic, tournaments yeah. getting cancelled, tournaments getting postponed, the French Open coming out saying, we're going to take September. That's strange. We're going to have a clay court <laughs> tournament in September. Let's see how that goes. Um, then we come back. We had Cincinnati. Obviously, Novak won that, like you were saying. He wasn't really looking his best, but managed to find the win. Then the US Open. Two new finalists in the final. How about that? Yeah. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was it was the most nervous tennis match I've ever seen. Right? Yeah. What did you think? Like, did you think after the semi-final with Karenio Busta with uh, Zverev? What did you expect from the final? You expect... I expected team to win it easily. I was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we both because... said we both went for free free love team. We thought it'd yeah. be very much a whitewash. Uh, it wasn't that at all. In fact, Zverev should have won. That tie break, he was up, I think, a break, like a mini break. And it just seemed right. to me he double faulted. Did he not in there? It was it? All... He always does. Though. I hate the fact that people now can cling on to it and say, oh, look, this is what tennis is going to be like after the big three. It's not, though. No. that's it's If that's what tennis thing. is going to be like <laughs> after the big three, people will pull their hair out, I think. I think no, no one will know. If who's the best player in the world or not? Like these are the two players who got to the final. Neither of them can like hit a shot in the court for like half of the match. <laughs> What's going on? But that's not that's not what we want. We want these players who suddenly raise their game to the next level, like we saw with Medvedev in the World Tour finals. He suddenly put on this like god mode that suddenly came from Paris and led him through to the World Tour finals. And you just thought, even if he loses the first set. He's gonna be in the third set, firing so like uh, hard that it's just gonna be impossible to beat him. That's why I saw it like that type of player. I just want to see Medvedev do it in January. Come on, just keep that. Don't have a break. Stop having turkey. Stop having Christmas. <laughs> Go in January and actually do it. I feel like the the scenario that created this team. Uh, Zverev US Open final like it's not going to happen again uh, so we don't need to worry about that like I don't think there will ever be just yeah. a US Open final no crowd two guys who have you know really just team has never been the favorite in that situation and Zverev comes in just playing this you know kind of not the best tennis and everyone's like okay team in straights you better win Dominic like this this is it this is your major go do it uh, meanwhile, Zverev in the beginning is like, oh, well, they don't think I'm going to win. So I'm going to play great tennis. Oh, now I'm up two sets to love. Wait, I'm supposed to win a major? What? The <laughs> <laughs> question is, if he hadn't have been defaulted, do you think Novak Djokovic would have just won that tournament? Well, him or team. Uh, I think personally... I think Djokovic would have won the US Open had he not been defaulted. I think that you see how nervous both of those players were trying to... I thought it would have been the same as the Australian Open all over again. If it had been team Djokovic, I think we would have seen the same thing. You, know, you wouldn't have seen a poor quality affair in the final, especially when no. it got nervy. I think team would have had to raise his game. Otherwise, Novak will, quite simply. Um, mm. But yeah, the US Open. Let's move on to, I think, September now. And In September, yeah. I'm back on the clay here. <laughs> um, we had what's it Austrian Open uh, we had a first win there for Kesmanovic a promising young player yeah um, I like him and then, yeah really good player do you, have, do, you have, do you have much to say about him 
Well, uh, he's a good, sturdy athlete. You know, really strong player. Clearly, has you know worked on his on his fitness. He's got a good forehand. Um, I mean, ma- mainly the mainly the movement though is uh, in the Serbian. forehand. Another good Serbian. They mm-hmm. could, yeah, they got a lot of them up there in the top hundred. Well, talking about them, we have got another one here. Novak Djokovic, obviously winning the week after in Rome. Yeah, um, the big one. And that was a really good tournament. I know we covered all of that, didn't we, Ben? Yeah, we we do live watch-alongs. Um, the lights we went off, didn't they, at one point? Yeah, <laughs> yeah Quetford, Quetford did very well in the tournament as well. Yeah. It was very impressive. I think we had, who else was there? Was it? Um, Schwartzman, mate. Massetti. Massetti was playing in yeah. it. He did pretty well. Yeah. It was really, really impressive. Him, he's a massive fan. I think he's an incredible player. Two rounds um, he went through, didn't he? He was straight sets. Yeah. And just against Bavrinka and Nishikuri. Yeah, but the man I want to talk about here is not even any of these. It's actually Diego Schwartzman, finalist. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's actually had a really good year, obviously qualifying for the Nitto ATP finals at the end. Uh, what, what, would you, what do you have to say about uh, Diego Schwartzman, the little man? Oh, I mean, he started playing some of the best baseline tennis in the world, I think very clearly. I think for a stretch, you know, from Rome, and then I think, you know, he, he kept it up kind of through the French Open. Uh, um, and... And then, uh, you know, motivated to make the ATP finals. I think he played great in Paris as well. Um, the the serve is just always going to be an issue. And, you know, people compare it to like David Ferrer. No, Ferrer had a much better serve. Right? Yeah. So you can compare yeah. Schwartzman to Ferrer. Ferrer was just bigger on his serve by, by far. So it's always an uphill battle for Diego. But just the way he was uh, covering the court, and the the depth that he gets on his backhand, I love his backhand. Um, attacking better, you know, on his forehand, especially when the ball, you know, isn't coming in with pace, just taking that opportunity and not making as many errors when he's going for a lot off the forehand, trying to do damage. Yeah. All in all, I think the baseline game clicked. It was great to see. His net play as well, you can't take that like uh, out of the equation because you got to remember, he opens up those angles so well with uh, his game. This year especially, we noticed it so much in those last tournaments. He literally creates these angles where his volleys, his volleys are incredible. attack the net. And then as soon as he gets in the net, his hands are so good. He literally takes all the pace off the ball and drops it within about, half a meter of the net the other side and you well they say you can't teach that but obviously you can because he's improved it massively and uh i think that's one of the parts of his game on clay especially you've seen him he's like up there with probably the top four in the world on clay right now for sure and, that, and that's that is important for a player like him because he's not like a dominic team on clay who just has so much acceleration so much power that you know might be able to yeah. hit through a slower court. Yeah, I agree. Schwartzman's more of a player who could benefit from putting putting his opponent in a really terrible position and then finishing at the net. He mixes it up so well. Yeah, name of the game is drop volleys. You know, in, in singles, and you see Nadal and and Schwartzman both just kind of live off that drop volley uh, and be selective when they come in. But it's, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, moving on here. I put it up there. Obviously, French Open final. Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic. Crazy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, these two yet again. Twenty twenty Grand Slam final. Uh, me and Ben was doing a live watch along. We was expecting yeah. a big epic. Was it an epic? <laughs> it wasn't really a, a one of these five set thrillers. However, I thought it was amazing in terms of Rafael Nadal took him apart. Just it was like the the twenty nineteen um, 
Australian Open final, it felt the same way where we didn't get the match that we thought we were going to get, but also we got a performance that's just worth marveling at. And uh, it was so, it was so complete. It was so complete. Uh, you know, I thought that the court position was fascinating for Nadal and how he took away Novak's drop shot and how sharp he was with his forehand down the line and the the variation on the backhand it was it was killing Novak on that side uh, and the returning the returning yeah. was so unbelievably good for Nadal he completely we've seen it so much on fast courts where Djokovic gets the better of the short points because he's getting more free points on serve and he's you know really timing uh, Nadal's wide serve and just hitting great backhand returns deep up the middle. And it was almost the opposite here where it was the, the Nadal return was just overwhelmingly good in this match. So yeah, that's the, that's the, that's the main thing I highlighted as well. I thought the return in from Nadal was absolutely impeccable. He rarely missed it. It was just putting the Novak on the back foot the whole time. Um, it wasn't the final I was expecting. As much as I'm a big Rafa <laughs> fan, I really thought Novak at one point would even kick into gear, even after what was it, a six six one first set, or he got he got six love, mate. From the first six set. love was it a bagel? Yeah, yeah. yeah, bagel, yeah I was mate. expecting for him to come back and show something, but it just I don't know. Raffle was just too good; it wasn't missing. Uh, was you surprised that... Novak didn't turn up? I was surprised he didn't dig in, you know, physically which he didn't seem to want to do. You know, he wanted to uh, take more control. He he started, especially in the third set, he started hitting bigger. He started going for the lines. He actually got a decent baseline rhythm and a much better service rhythm going in the third set and, and had a little bit of success. But you always felt, okay, Novak is really reaching for extra power here. When is he going to make errors? And then five all, uh, serving at five all, he does. So yeah. I, was, I was surprised that Djokovic didn't kind of go into – you know, more of a, okay, let me, let me get a little bit more defensive and just do some running and, and hope, you know, that Nadal starts missing more. Wow, mate. I mean, it was one of those finals that we were, <laughs> we were covering and we couldn't quite believe while well, it was, I mean, JG was absolutely loving it. I have to yeah. say it was literally in dreamland whilst that was going on. I was sat there supporting Novak and just, uh, not quite knowing what was going on. Uh, I just thought it was one of those performances, like you said, where I, maybe the tactics were on. But I just think it was one of those tournaments where Rafael Nadal didn't drop a set the whole tournament against players who probably would have taken sets off other, like, well, taken sets of him in other years, maybe. He said that this one weren't the conditions that were going to uh, favor him. But in the end of the day, they were the conditions conditions that actually favored him the best out of everybody which i thought was the craziest thing yannick sinner played probably one of the best games i've seen against nadal at the french open lost in straight sets schwartzman played another impeccable game against nadal lost in straight sets what else did you expect Djokovic came in well you thought he might be able to maybe get a set when you saw he got bageled in the first set i just thought it's just it's right, crazy because everything was a kind of against him. I remember before the match, yeah. the stuff with the, the close the roof, didn't they? And the yeah, conditions, yeah. the ball, everything was just seemed to be anti um, Nadal, really. But it just come through, and like you can't really take the tournament away from him. He's the king no. of Roland Garros. <laughs> the clay, king. undisputed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, now I thought the court. I th I think you know people were ignoring kind of the Djokovic side of things. You know the court was playing slow. 
And I, I thought, you know, I love, don't get me wrong, Novak 2011 through 2015, slow court, no problem. Recently, I really think he would much prefer the speed. Uh, so in, yeah. in that respect, I kind of felt, okay, these conditions, yeah, the, the ball's not bouncing too high. But at the same time, um, you know, the, the speed of the court does favor Rafa. Yeah, definitely. Mm. So maybe I even out so. slightly there. What do you think yeah. on, uh, we had Robin Harser who came on to the podcast. Uh, it was a fantastic guest. Loved to have him on. He's such a uh, enigmatic character. Yeah, he's a yeah. great character. Just has like a lot of uh, experience playing all the best players in the world. He, one of his like, points that he really uh, touched on when he was talking to us was he was saying that the court speeds uh, aren't fast enough these days and they just said that they've slowed a lot of the courts down and it's affecting a lot of the serve volley players this type of thing and he said that it's really changed up just the way that uh, a lot of the players who were maybe in the past generation now play and uh, how do you how do you think do you think that's a, actually a thing or interesting that's for sure uh i i don't i'm not with him i'm not with him uh, i think that that the game is still serve dominant i think you still see that it's just different it's not serving volley anymore it's serving forehand uh, but it's, <laughs> yeah. you know it's the same round it's one through punch <laughs> right so the players are getting so much stronger and hitting bigger yeah the courts better slow down if the courts don't slow down you're not, you know, you're not going to get breaks of serve. You're not going to get rallies. And I do think that, look, um, did I watch Boris Becker, Pete Sampras, Hamburg, uh, 19, uh, what was it? 94. I think it was. Did I watch that match? Yeah. Did I watch that match over quarantine? Yes, I did. Did I, did I enjoy it? Yes, I did. (laughs) Am I, am I glad that tennis doesn't look like that anymore? (laughs) Yes, I am. Anyway, let's move on to October here. So October, (laughs) back to more recent times. And uh, yeah, Andre Rublev, yet again, winning St. Petersburg. I think a lot of us were surprised. Like I thought maybe Medvedev could do have a good run in, but he went out first round, I believe. Yeah, it's Opelka. Yeah, it wasn't very good for him. Uh, We had a few Canadians there reaching the semi-final, Raonic and Shapovalov. Uh, Moving down here. Severe, this is where Severe went on that crazy Ooh. run in door hard. We won Cologne twice. <laughs> he won them both, didn't he? Here we go. Cologne yeah, one and Cologne two. Yep. Um, and you've got a name there, which I want to talk about here. This is Ugo Humber. And uh, we were yeah, singing his yeah. praises a lot uh, during this period. We did a podcast sort of predicting it. Oh, I've gone to the front. <laughs> <laughs> You're going big now, are you? Sorry, wrong button. That's, that's it. But, yeah, that's Ugo Humber. How, <laughs> how, how, what can we expect in 2021 from him? Oh, Are you a big uh, fan of him? I'm, I am. Uh, Wimbledon, look out, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, his his forehand, it it seems a little bit low margin. So I want to see it outdoors. It, not that I haven't seen it outdoors, but I want to see... <laughs> 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 I want to uh, I want to see if he can be as consistent uh, off that wing. Um, you know, at the beginning of 2021, it's something I'll be watching for. The level that he brought to to that tournament was really, really great. But what he also has shown me recently, he's got a lot of heart. You know, he's been in some tough physical matches and and he's really, you know, fighting out there, which is uh, great to see. And, you know, another kind of 
box you want to check with the young players. You know, how how deep are you willing to dig for a match? And uh, I really do like him there. So I'm going to ask you a question now, put you on the spot big time. Where is he going to finish in the world next year? Top 20. Um, you know, I think, uh, I think 14. Ooh. How about you, Ben? What do you think? Put you on the spot as well. Yeah, mate, I think he has the ability, but uh, I would probably go with... I would probably go with like 18 or somewhere like that. I think he's shown all the ability this year. He obviously beat Dan Evans. It was a real tough match, but beat him. And then he and went then Alex on. Alex de Menor, didn't he, in the final? Exactly. That's what I mean. And he went on to beat uh, Alex de Menor, which was, we covered that match as well. Great match. Loved it. Uh, he just shows a lot of promise. Is it because he was close to home? Don't know. But you never know. How does he perform when he goes out to the uh, Americas and all of the other around the world? That's what I'm waiting to see. If he starts pulling out these uh, tournament wins in South America and uh, in uh, Australia or China, places like that, then I'm going to be well on board. He certainly can, mate. He's getting better and better for me. Um, let's look here. And this is kind of where the rough about the humidity, though, mate? That's the one thing that no one really thinks of. I know that we've spoken to a few players and uh, they said about the humidity when you go to China and those type of places. They said it's like 90% humidity and you're playing tennis matches in that. Like, How does that affect a player? It's going to affect certain players a lot worse than others. So U- US Open's like that with the humidity. Oof. I don't know how, you, how they do it. I think yeah. he'll be fine though for me. He's got the whole game and he's young as well. So he's only gonna get he's only gonna improve each year. Um and someone who certainly did that was Andre Rublev. Look, you can see here playing their final. No one would have expected uh, it was quite a stacked field in Vienna. Yeah, and Lorenzo for Sonego managed to get <laughs> all the way to the final. And uh wow, what a player, what a performance. I think he beat what was it? He beat Novak Djokovic. Yeah. And who did he beat in the Evans. Evans, was it? Yeah. I mean, and yeah. In the final, he still put a good uh, effort in there, but Andre Rublev, for me, just didn't really think he could get close. Nah. You are, you guys, are, you guys, are you guys sold on Sinego or Nah, not wait, really. Waiting for fair. more, yeah. I'm me not personally. sold on him. I, I think uh, it was the year of the Italians, really, 2020. There's so many promising ones coming through. <laughs> and for me, I feel like he's a name who's been there sometimes a little bit longer than the others. However, he's not really lived up to the bill much. Always around 50, 40 in the world. Um, he's seen all the other Italians coming through, the younger guys than him. And he's thought, oh, I need to start <laughs> playing some tennis now. And he started ringing his A game. And all of a sudden, beating Novak Djokovic, reaching finals. He's a, he's a top player, predominantly a clay court player. I didn't expect it to see him in Vienna do so well. But um, I'm not sold on him yet. For sure. He reminded me in that tournament of... Uh... Savantec in the French Open. That's how he was dispatching players. It was just like, bang, <laughs> bang. <laughs> Literally, it was fearless. It was fearless tennis. Yeah. Actually, I love seeing. It. Isn't it great when you see one player when they just hit a tournament and you just think. What? I didn't know they could do that. And then they literally wipe the court of every player. and They hit the lines every side and don't even give. If Djokovic was on any other like tournament any other day and he thought, oh, I've got to turn it on now because I'm down a set and a break. He could have probably done it and he could have probably got himself back in the match. On that day, there's no chance because that guy was just hitting everything perfect. It's just hitting the line, hitting the line. 
And Djokovic probably just went, I got world number one for the year. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to leave it at that for this year. Mate, he was already on the beach then. He's done, kind of done what he needed to do. And, uh... Yeah, but he might have tried to come back had he had Sonego not been that good. But he was that good that day. It was just uh, it was unplayable. So he just had to say, all right, fair enough. I'll, I'll just take the L. Yeah. What can I do? So, yeah, moving on there. Well, you've got here Daniel Medvedev, obviously ended the year so strong. Uh, wasn't great at the beginning of the year. I remember he got bageled early on from Jules Saman and me and Ben. <laughs> we couldn't quite believe what was going on. We thought Daniel Medvedev, we thought this could be a brilliant year for him, 2020, and then stuff was just not was falling apart at the beginning of the year. However, come back, still pulling off relatively good results. And here in Paris, for me, he was just amazing. Uh, maybe yeah. one of the standout performances of the year. Uh, and then followed it up, obviously, at the end, going and winning the ATP finals. His scope for me, I know I called it out. I said it. I think he's going to win a Grand Slam next year. Maybe it's the heat of the moment kind of thing. But I really do believe that even now. I think he is real quality player. And I think, for me, I know people can question the whole fact that the endurance of playing a Grand Slam is a lot different to, say, an ATP uh, Masters thing. Obviously, you've got five sets now. Um, there's a lot more games sort of packed together. But I think he can do that. What do you think? I'm not. I'm not sure. You know, I if his forehand is as good as it as it was in Paris and Tour Finals. I know I just said the same thing about Umber, but uh, that's <laughs> that's the one thing that's kind of missing. Is I'm just not sure that Daniil Medvedev and it's it's the thing that everyone else has. You know that that's the other issue because you know if if you kind of let's say you block a return back. Medvedev serves 135. You block the return back. It floats through the middle of the court, lands in between the baseline mm. and the service line. Most, you know, pretty much everyone in the top 10 is very, very comfortable punishing that next ball, really yeah. making you pay. And Medvedev's just not. You know, now sometimes he can, sometimes he can do it, but at the same time, he just doesn't have. Is that. it the wind up? It's the it's the strength. I think it's is it this physical. windmill effect that he's well. Why does he windmill? It's because he he just doesn't have the physical upper body strength to generate the same kind of racket speed that most other players are able to. So that's why he's got that weird technique that kind of overcompensates. Would you not say he's got a similar frame to like a Zverev though? Zverev seems to be quite cool. Quite six, fine with six it. foot six. Appearance wise, yes, but then you know if you got application him, if you put him in the gym, wise. Right, yeah. right. A lot of tennis is is fast twitch muscle fibers, so you don't really see that, right? Like Novak, you know, can hit a 100 mile per hour forehand, and he's skin and bones. So, <laughs> you know, it's. <laughs> yeah, I know so, what yeah, you, you know, mean. It's yeah. so subjective. It is very subjective to how each player deals with each situation, and. uh like you're saying, like why does he have that forehand? Why does he have that big wind up? Why did why does it works, but is there not a more effective way? Because he could surely be doing even better if he had something that was an even better racket. I, I think both of you are being too harsh on Daniel Medford. I'm gonna put it out there. I love him. And I think he's gonna do really <laughs> well next year. He's gonna win a grand slam and prove you both wrong. He can do it. He, I, just I know think it. he can do it. Why do you why do, I'm not saying I don't believe in him. I think next year could potentially be the year of the new Grand Slam. He's got all you the skills. Know. And for me, I think mentally, that's something we don't talk about enough. 
is got that arrogance, I think, where you need to... It's a fine line between arrogance and sort of disliking someone. But I think you need to have that to get to that next Mm -hmm. level. And he's got that in abundance more than other young players coming through, in my opinion. And I think that's going to be crucial. You see him in the US Open crowd, almost led him to victory. He went to five sets with Rafael Nadal. Look at who he's facing in the World Tour Finals. He's facing Dominic Team, the other person you've been talking about on this podcast that can't handle the finals. When it looks like Medvedev can handle the finals better than Dominic Team. Well, he's had a good record against um, Zverev as well in finals. I know overall the head-to-head Zverev leads, but I think he beat him in Shanghai, uh, obviously mm-hmm. Paris final as well. When it matters. When it matters, Daniel Medvedev well, yeah. had to be counted. Yeah, the Masters. He beats him in the Masters. <laughs> That's a, when you get the big money. He you know, Sorrell, Nitto ATP, <laughs> Masters, Daniel Medvedev's there. Next year, I'm, I'm calling it Grand Slams. He's going to be there as well. So watch out. Um, just the last man I want to talk to, and then we talk about, sorry, and then we'll yeah, go yeah. on to Shot Clock. Come on. We, can't so know, we don't want to hold you for too long, Gil. I know we're going yeah. slightly over. No, no, we're going deep. no worries. We're going deep. We're going deep. This is deep All pod. Good. All good. Um, here we go. Sophia Open, Yannick Sinner. A lot oh. of the people who watch that podcast, they're singing his praises. They're a massive fan. The ginger Italian, young guy. Wow. So good. Can he reach next year? People, This is the big discussion point we were talking about. Do you reckon yeah. he can qualify for the ATP finals next year? Yeah, I think he can. Now, I haven't gone as far to say. Like, I've, I've predicted Yannick Sinner top 10 <laughs> 2021. Um, <laughs> I've, I've predicted that. Now, now, now we got it. Um, yeah, so uh, that, that I feel pretty safe saying, I'm not going to say like, Oh, he can be top 10, but he's certainly not going to be top eight. Right. That would be pretty silly. Um, so in general, yeah, I I think he can do it. He's just, the ball striking is special. You can't teach it. It, it really jumps off the jumps off the screen, jumps off the court, uh, the control he has on the backhand and just what he does with that shot and the pace with two hands, combination of stability and pace. Normally you see the one handers able to hit the backhand that big, but they don't quite have the the compact stability of a, of a two hander, but center has both and, and he's, you know, moving better and better. And the forehand is becoming more and more consistent, just spraying less and still has to pop off that. Also his mannerisms, his calmness personified for me. Unbelievably calm. I'm interested to find out what, uh, how you uh, rate his performance against Vasek Pospisil in that Sofia final when they uh, met. Uh, obviously, he did lose the second set. There was a little bit of moment of fragility maybe there. I but think Vasek just raised his game a lot Maybe, more. but yeah, I want to see. What what do you reckon, Gil? Did, yeah. Is that just I, even more impressive to you to see him come through that? Couldn't cover that one, actually. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a pass. You know, I... I I caught up on it and stuff, but didn't didn't go too in depth with that. Okay, no, yeah. it was quite a fascinating final. To be fair, both yeah, players was. never yeah. won an ATP title. We thought, yeah, well, yeah. it was quite in the balance. I, I know we were, a lot of us were going for Sinner, the young guy. Uh, he was yep. the favourite to win. However, possibly has got all the weapons and he's super dangerous. He can beat a lot of players on Medvedev. his day. Yeah, we saw yeah, him he, beat he's Medvedev. Up. We Pospisil's saw really coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah it really is. Yeah, I'm he's a big a, fan like, of him. I think he's given... a top player. A bit of a late comer to the party, isn't he? But he's he's there. He's still coming. This is injury. He can't be too harsh, man. I know. Before the injury was pretty I mean. class too. 
So, I mean, he's a bit older, but he's still there. He's trying to get to the party before they like, uh, rule him out. <laughs> before they close the doors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, here yeah, we go, Ben. I think we've, that's our 2020 summary. We've had, obviously, I the think so, to be finals, but we've covered enough of that already. So, let's get to the fun bit here. Hopefully, you're ready, Gil. <laughs> All right. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So, the rules are, we're just going to, it's not It's not, it's not. a quiz or anything. It's just questions, like very quick fire a lot of the time, it's one A or B, and you just choose whatever you prefer. Quick fire, just answer as quick as you can, um, and that's how we're going to go. Some yeah, of them were just... really stupid and silly, by the way. Uh, we had a good laugh making it because we were just drinking. and just <laughs> There was a lot of really bad ones we had to cut out. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Like, we made a list of about 40, and if, if we went through that whole list, you would laugh. We've just refined it to 20 more sensible ones because they were getting yeah. stupid, but we'll see how it goes. So we're going to put Gilgrass through the shot clock. Time. So, Gil Gross, here we go. The first person officially on GTL's shot clock. Here we go. And I'm going to start us off. And uh, we're going to alternate. I'm going to give you uh, either a question or just a couple of things to choose from. And then JG's going to give you the next one. Okay. And also, no. don't feel obliged just before. If there's anything you don't want to answer, just <laughs> yeah, take exactly. part. It's fine. We don't want to put you under pressure where you're literally putting your whole title on the line here. You don't have to say anything. Just okay, say whatever exactly. you feel comfortable with saying. Okay. Here we go. All right, then. We'll start off. Right. Netflix or Amazon? Netflix. Easy. Babylon or Head? Uh, Babylon. Pure Strike. Cats or Dogs? Dogs. Halloween or Christmas? Halloween. No. Mm. Uh, Christmas. <laughs> and, and you don't. Do you want an explanation? Or I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Tea or coffee? Coffee. Huge fan. Favorite Grand Slam? US Open. Bye. Favorite surface? Um, let's go clay. Top spin or slides? Whoa, uh, top spin. <laughs> Sinner or Rublev? Sinner. Uh, Servin, Zverev or Shapov? Zverev. Backhand, single or double? Double. Something you can't do? Um, I'm not good at swimming? <laughs> I can a little bit. I mean, not great. <laughs> All right. Line judge or technology? Um, technology. Alcaraz or Mossetti? Uh, Alcaraz. Underarm serve, good or bad? Good. Yeah, let's go for it. Beer or wine? Beer. Murray, continue or retire? Uh, continue. Um, yeah, no, no, Matt's Vlander over here. <laughs> <laughs> First thing that comes into your mind: chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being completely honest. I mean, I don't know. I thought food. I thought, oh, I better think of something. I thought food, and there it was. God, man. Curious uh, or Tomage? Curious by far. If you had a superpower, what would it be? Invisibility. Very underrated. Nothing you can't do. All right. Last one. Who's the goat? 
Who's the GOAT? Doesn't exist. Nadal, Djokovic, Federer. Go. Right now, I still value the... I'll go with the slam race. Uh, I mean, I guess I'll say Federer. They, they got to pass him. Well, Nadal's tied. Oh. It doesn't even work. Um... <laughs> And there you I, go. I don't, I don't, We're leaving it at that. We don't know. <laughs> Time. And there you go. go. Gil Grass has answered <laughs> the first shot clock in GTL history there. And uh, what a great shot clock it was. I love that. Uh, it was, uh, worked even better than I thought. Even uh, JG's... Uh, <laughs> what are you thinking of right Wait, so now? we had some real dodgy questions so i'm glad we refined it to that um yeah. interesting though i like some of them you don't swim you definitely have had me nervous no i, I have like a mental block you know it's not it's weird i'm just are you scared of water or no totally fine i'm i'm not i'm not afraid it's just like and i've i've been taught how to swim and it's just like i you know i can swim but i can't really breathe and swim at the same time so, you know, uh, you can only make them. that work for so long. And then what about the Halloween or Christmas one? You had a bit of a yeah, wavering dilemma there. Uh, I, he likes to dress up, I guess. Uh, that's why I'm getting <laughs> the feeling. Or you like to cut the pumpkins. Which one is it? On. Well, when I was a kid, I I didn't. I'm not a big candy guy. I'm I'm all the way. Ice cream, ice cream, ice cream, ice cream. I don't. Oh, you I like chocolate? It's on your mind. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know why it was on my mind, JG. I can't explain it. It just was. JG, I'm not a big candy guy. The, he's yeah. planting it into your mind. I think these, <laughs> these thoughts. So I, I, I guess I, Halloween gets you know it got more fun. You know when you getting older a little bit because uh, I wasn't a huge fan when I was a kid. Um, but it's tough, you know, Christmas, you get, you get, you know, work off school off, you know, presents. Oh yeah. Presents. Mate, honestly, we really enjoyed that. Thanks for taking part in the shot clock and thanks for taking part in the podcast. Um, yeah, I know it was a bit rust at times. We're trying to get through certain bits. <laughs> um, well, I think all three of us, it's not always the best combination because <laughs> there's so many people <laughs> has things to say all the time. And, uh, especially when Ben drinks, it's hard to really shut him up at times. So well, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. Girl, girl. I totally agree. I totally agree. I'm apologize. Uh, well, I just had to get ready for you coming on. Uh, I had to calm the nerves. So uh, had to have a couple of beers. It's hey. Sunday night. We're still weekend. You're in the afternoon anyway. So I uh, had to enjoy myself as well for this uh, momentous occasion on the uh, GTL podcast. Yeah, I just want to oh, say a well. massive thank you, Gil. We really enjoyed having you on. Uh, I don't know if you want to take a moment now to sort of promote some of the stuff you do. Obviously, guys, if you've not checked him out, go check out his YouTube channel and I'll let him speak about some of the other bits he's he's working on. Sure. I mean, Gil Gross on YouTube or you can search Monday Match Analysis. That'll come up. Podcast, Monday Match Analysis. I'm also doing a, uh, a show only on the big three with uh, Joel Drucker and Amy Lundy. That's called Three, a tennis show. Uh, and that's kind of what I'm up to in tennis. And my Twitter is at Gil Gross. But uh, JG and Ben, this, is, this has been great. You guys are a lot of fun. Um, and anytime, seriously, anytime, um, the, the answer will always be yes. Oh, for sure, mate. We'll be getting you on another time. It's going to be tennis coming thick and fast, we hope, in January. And no doubt we'll speak, well, yeah, if not before then, definitely in January. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Yeah, no, thank you, mate. Uh, thanks to guys listening as well. If you've liked the podcast, please hit the like button. And if you've not already, please subscribe to our channel. It really helps us out. Um, also, yeah, 
Oh, yeah, oh. I was going to say, yeah. Also, don't forget, we are on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcasts. So if you haven't hit the uh, follow button on there, please always remember, hit those like buttons, hit those follow buttons, and leave us a positive review if you haven't already. Yeah, and we'll see you next week. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.